Just like we all drew it up, Bryce Selder and the Braves pitching staff throws a one-hit shutout against the New York Yankees on Tuesday night. We'll discuss that and just how great the Braves pitching staff has been at shutting out opponents this year. All that on today's episode of Lockdown Braves. So let's get into it. You are Locked On Braves, your daily Atlanta Braves podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, welcome back to Lockdown Braves, part of Lockdown Sports Atlanta, where we cover your favorite Atlanta sports teams each and every day. I am your host, Jake Mastriani. You can follow me on Twitter at shortstopball. Also, make sure you check out my written work over at bravestoday.com. Make sure you follow the podcast on Twitter at Lockdown underscore Braves. Send in any questions, comments, or feedback that you have for the podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, do me a favor, hit that thumbs up button on this video to help support the show and spread it to everybody else out there. Make sure you hit that subscribe button if you haven't already over 6,500 subscribers on YouTube, and you've been killing it. Yesterday's video, over 5,000 views, over 200 likes. Can't thank you enough for all the support you give me there. Uh, enjoyed that podcast, that discussion on Grissom versus Lopez. Lopez got the first shot. We'll see if that uh, continues, but really enjoyed that discussion. Thanks so much for viewing that episode yesterday. And thanks so much for making Lockdown Braves your first listen of each and every day. want to give a shout-out to some of those everydayers who let me know on the last video. You got Leland Hurt, Lucas Dunlap, uh, Ed Sidoric. Hopefully I'm getting that right. Trinity Clark, Eric W., uh, Wales One and Garrett Clemens letting me know on the last video. If you are an everydayer, let me know down in the comment section below on Twitter. On today's podcast, we'll talk about the 5 nothing win from Tuesday. Bryce Elder's great performance. Is he getting back on track? A couple of home runs, including one by Ronald Acuna Jr. We also get into the shutouts this season for the Atlanta Brave and dive deeper into that in our Stat of the Day Wednesday segment and then set you up for Wednesday's game where the Braves are going for a sweep of the New York Yankees, trying to knock them under 500 on the season. We'll see if Charlie Morton and company can do that. Well, let's get into the podcast. Let's get into what happened on Tuesday, and that was a 5 nothing win for the Atlanta Braves. A quick, easy, two-hour and 18-minute, stress-free, 5 nothing win for the Atlanta Braves. And let's start with Bryce Elder. Seven innings, one hit. He did walk three batters, two of them to Aaron Judge, one of them to Giancarlo Stanton, which I think if you're going to walk players, those are the guys you want to walk, not the eight and nine hole hitters like we've seen happen a lot here for this Braves starting staff. So, again, maybe some strategic walks in there. I got two double plays after walking Aaron Judge, so that certainly worked out the way you hoped it would. No earned runs, three strikeouts. This was a one-hit shutout. Um, you know, combined, uh, able to finish off the game there with Minter and Yates without allowing another hit. The one hit that Bryce Elder gave up in this one, it was a sinker up in the zone. DJ LeMahieu uh, got it and drove it out into center field, but that was the only hit of the game. But getting into Bryce Elder, uh, look, uh, my reverse jinx worked. If you want to say that, I said this would be, you know, a tough matchup for Bryce Elder, but I didn't stipulate that that was if. He pitched like he has been pitching after the All-Star break. If he continues to struggle with location, fall behind in counts, and then have to come over the middle of the plate, if he were to pitch like that against this Yankees team, I thought they would absolutely crush him. I thought he'd have you know four or five walks. Uh, I thought he'd have to leave a lot of balls over the plate, get hit pretty hard, give up several runs. 
But that wasn't the case. This was vintage Bryce Elder. This was the Bryce Elder that we saw at the end of last year and for the first half of this season. This was the Bryce Elder that we are used to seeing or that we have seen a lot this year. He was getting ahead in counts, and then he was working on the edges. You go back, and I did. I went back and looked at every at-bat that he had last night and seeing where those pitches were, especially early in the game. All those pitches are around the edges of the strike zone, and that's where Bryce Elder has to live. He has to be able to get ahead and then just nibble on those edges and get players to go after those pitches to create that weak contact. Just three strikeouts on the night. On the night, he did have some some whiffs, a good bit of swing and misses, but for the most part, it was just getting back to that game plan of getting ahead in the zone. You saw this Yankees team against Max Freed; they were going to take early in counts. They were going to make you throw a strike and make you, you know, and try to force you to come over the middle of the plate. So get ahead early, and then you can nibble on those edges and get hitters to swing at pitches that you want them to be swinging at. And that's when Bryce Elder is so good, and that's when he's so effective. Look, he can't. He cannot come over the middle of the plate and beat you. You heard John Smoltz talk about it. I know a lot of people have feelings about John Smoltz as an announcer. When he talks about pitching, I absolutely love listening to John Smoltz, but he talked about it. He doesn't have the overpowering stuff. He can't get away with a sinker down the middle like Spencer Strider can get away with 97, 98 down the middle every now and then. For Bryce Seller to be effective, He's got to live on the edges. He has to get a head in counts and then expand the zone just a little bit to get hitters to chase it to get that weak contact. That's how he's going to be effective. And it's a, you know, it's a very thin margin that he pitches on to be effective because if you aren't getting those calls on the edges or you are off a little bit and you have to come over the middle of the plate, like we saw in some of his previous outings, he's going to get hit hard. And that's what I thought might happen in this one again if he had the struggles he was having lately, but it wasn't the case. He was he was locating on the edges. He was getting ahead, and he was getting that weak contact. 82.1 mile per hour average exit velocity against for Bryce Selder. He threw the another thing I really liked about this one. The slider was such a good pitch for him early in the year. It was a dominating pitch, one of the best pitches in baseball. And I felt like he kind of got away from it. Maybe he lost some confidence in it there, but he went back to it on this night. Sean Murphy catching. I don't know if that makes a difference. I need to go back and look and see if maybe there is a difference between Sean Murphy and Travis Darno catching him. But threw the slider 41 times. It was the most of any pitch he threw last night. He got nine whiffs on 23 swings against that slider, 39% whiff rate. Again, that's a pitch he was so dominant with earlier in the year, and it can be such a good pitch for him if he's locating it well. And he was last night. He was dropping it down and away to right-handed hitters under the the hands of left-handed hitters. It's just such a good pitch for him when it's on. But again, the key has always been for Bryce Selder, get ahead and then expand the zone a little bit on those edges. Try to create that weak contact, force hitters to swing at your pitches. He was able to do that on Tuesday night. Got three double plays as well, which you come to expect with Bryce Seller. He's going to get that weak contact, get those ground balls. Hopefully, they're going to fielders as they were on Tuesday night. So, great performance for Bryce Seller. Seven innings, give them some length as well. Hopefully, this gets him back on track as well as the rest of the rotation. What a 180 it's been for this rotation. It could not have gone worse for them in that, uh, you know, that last trip through after the Max Freed start that Friday against the Cubs and then the rest of that series and then through the Pittsburgh series could not have gone worse. But things have turned around here. And this this next trip through the rotation, 
you know, getting the Mets and Yankees who are a little bit down right now and struggling offensively certainly helps. But again, I got to give credit to these pitchers for how they have turned things around so quickly. Not much offensively on the night. Like I mentioned, a two-hour and 18-minute game, and all the offense came from a couple of home runs. A big two-out, three-run home run for Marcelo Zuna in the first inning. That put the Braves up 3 nothing. And again, with the way Elder was pitching and the way the Yankees were not hitting, that was game. I mean, it just felt like that from the from the get-go, that that was the game. It ended up being the case. And as for Ozuna, he ends up going two for two. He walks two times. Again, I've been saying it. I'll keep saying it. He continues to give you more than just the power. He gave you everything in this game. He gave you the power. He also you know, took his single. He also walked twice. And that's been the difference for Ozuna this year. My biggest complaint with him these past couple of years is, yeah, he could get hot. He may be a 25, 30 home run hitter, but he gives you nothing in between that. And that's not the case this year. He, he's given you those hits. He's taken his hits the other way. He's taken his walks, and he's just becoming a more well-rounded hitter. And that's you know been a huge, huge get for the Braves here, unexpected. Uh, as for Acuna, he got a two-run shot as well in the fourth, taking advantage uh, of a Yankee error before that, leading to a couple of unearned runs against Luis Severino, who's just had a rough year. Braves didn't exactly get to him in this game like I thought they would, but uh, again, still were able to touch him up and get him out after four innings. So just really a couple of home runs in this one. They had the bases loaded in the seventh, but you know Rosario struck out before the bases were loaded for the second out, and then Arcia struck out to end it. So weren't able to really get much of anything going outside of those two home runs. Not a lot of hard contact in this game on either side. Only 12 hard-hit balls in the game. Nine of those were by the Braves. They had the six hardest-hit balls in this on this night. So, again, not much going on on either side, certainly not for the Yankees. Braves only had six hits in this game. They did walk five times. Murphy reached on an air and got hit twice. I don't know what the Yankees have against Sean Murphy, but please stop hitting him. Um, but he got he got hit twice and reached on an air uh, and scored in this one. Uh, so they had plenty of base runners, but just weren't able to to get the hits that we're accustomed to seeing lately. But still scored five runs and had a couple of home runs, so certainly enough to get it done. And then Mentor and Yates finishing it off. I want to I want to touch on Mentor here, but I don't want this to get overblown or any overreaction to this. But it just seems like since coming back, he hasn't been as sharp. To me, he's leaving that cutter over the plate too much again. Even in the outing on Tuesday, he left that cutter over the plate way too much. Going back to kind of earlier in the year where he was getting in so much trouble because that cutter was getting left over the plate and getting absolutely crushed. Now, all that said, he's allowed just one run in eight outings since coming back, and that was a solo home run. He's been getting the results, but he has given up eight hits, two walks, and just eight strikeouts. Again, I'm not overly concerned. I'm not really trying to raise a red flag here, but I did want to at least mention it because the Braves need a dominant A.J. Minter. And while he's been good, I, don't, I just don't feel like he's been dominant since coming back. So, again, maybe that's still just a little bit slow coming back from the injury, whatever it may be, but the Braves need a dominant A.J. Minter. He's been good. He's been really good since coming back. But just for me, when I, when I watch him pitch, I just don't see that dominance that we're accustomed to seeing from A.J. Minter. So hopefully he gets back to that. As for Kirby Yates, a good outing for him. He shut things down in the ninth. But what I was impressed with, he threw another one of those sliders, another front door slider to a right-handed hitter that was beautiful Got for a called strike. You go back to that, I believe it was the Milwaukee uh, series where 
uh, you know, the, I think it was Perkins that was batting from Milwaukee, fouled off all those pitches, long at bat, and then finally he threw a, a slider and just beautiful, came out of nowhere. Nobody expected it and painted the outside corner for strike three. If that becomes another pitch for him and another weapon to go with a mid-90s fastball and that really good splitter, if he can start mixing in that slider a little bit more, uh, he becomes a much more effective pitcher for me just in case, you know, maybe if one of his pitches aren't working, you can use that slider off of that splitter with a different movement on it. So I just thought that was interesting. We'll see if he starts to incorporate that a little bit more. Again, he only threw it once on Tuesday night. I know it's not a pitch he throws a lot, but – he get, gets more confidence in that, and he can consistently get it over for strikes like the couple of times I've seen him do it. It could become another weapon for him and make him a little bit more effective and dangerous coming out of the bullpen. All right, next, we'll go to our stat of the day Wednesday segment. I'm going to tell you about all the shutouts the Braves have had this year. It might surprise you a little bit to know who has started the most games that has led to a Braves shutout. We'll discuss that next. Okay, Lockdown Braves fans, I have to tell you about a new app called Bunches. Bunches is a new app built for sports fans where you can chat sports in real time. Click the link in the show notes or description to join the app or go to Apple App Store and download Bunches now. I'm telling you, you're going to love the conversations with other Lockdown Sports fans. The Lockdown MLB group chat is on Bunches. Go there now, connect with other baseball fans chat about your favorite team, and keep up with the latest MLB news. You got a question or comment about today's episode, chat about it. And the Locked On MLB Bunch on Bunches, chat about your team every day. Download the Bunches app today, and when you do, our friends at Bunches have featured the Locked On MLB Bunch in the Discover tab. You can also click the link in the description show notes down below to join the Locked On MLB Bunches community today. The Braves will take on the Yankees again on Wednesday. It's starting at 7.20 p.m. Eastern. Catch every pitch of the Braves' hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Search Braves. We'll also have our Through the League Thursday segment tomorrow and then our Mailbag podcast on Friday. Got an off day coming up on Thursday, so make sure you submit those questions because we'll have a full Friday episode devoted to those questions. But it is Wednesday, so it's our stat of the day on Wednesday. And our stat today is 12 shutouts. That's how many shutouts the Braves pitching staff has this year, which is tied for second most in all of baseball. And I would imagine maybe that surprises some of you with the struggles that the starting rotation has had this year. They still have the second most shutouts in all of baseball. The Guardians have the most with 13. And then the Braves, Brewers, and Blue Jays all have 12. The Nats, Phillies, A's, and Red Sox all have the fewest with three. And then there are 12 teams who have double-digit shutouts. So about half the league, a little less than half the league, has at least 12 double-digit shutouts on the year. And then again, at the bottom there, the Nats, Phillies, A's, and Red Sox only have three shutouts this season. But the Braves have 12, which again is the second most in all of baseball. You go back and look at the shutouts by month here. In April, you had three one against the Padres, one against the Marlins, one against the Mets. And then the month of May, you had one another against another one against the Marlins, and then one against the Rangers. So Rangers right there with the Braves, one of the best offenses in baseball. Braves went down there the first game of that series and shut them out. You had a June 1st shutout against the Twins. You had a July in July, you had uh, two shutouts, one against the Marlins and one against the White Sox. That White Sox went right after the All-Star break. 
Thought the Braves were about to just continue to steamroll, but was not the case. And then four already in August. One against the Cubs, that Max Free game when he came back. Two against the Mets, and then one against the Yankees. So four shutouts in August. With the, the starting rotation issues this Braves team has had, they already have four shutouts in August. Three of those coming in the past week. So again, as much as the starting rotation has had its issues at times, they can still be so, so good as well. Uh, they shut out the Marlins and the Mets three times each this year, uh, taking advantage of some of their divisional opponents. You look at starters in shutouts. So first shutout, April 17th, Max Fried started that in San Diego, went five scoreless, only threw 79 pitches, but that was his first start coming back after missing a few weeks, which we'll note that again here in a little bit. April 24th against Miami, Strider pitched eight scoreless with 13 strikeouts, was at 101 pitches and a blowout. So probably could have finished it off if he wanted to, but in a blowout, chose not to. And April 28th, a, a rain-shortened one for Max Freed. It was just a five-inning game as it got called due to rain, but a five-inning shutout for Max Freed. That's the only pitcher complete game shutout that the Braves have had this year. And again, it was just a five-inning affair. May 2nd against the Marlins. Again, Bryce Elder, seven scoreless and 96 pitches. And then that May 15th game at Texas, Charlie Morton, six and two-thirds scoreless innings, 10 strikeouts, and 106 pitches. He did allow seven hits and had a walk. But again, six and two-thirds scoreless innings for Charlie Morton against one of the better offenses in all of baseball. June 28th against the Twins, Colby Allard, four and two-thirds scoreless innings with eight strikeouts, 71 pitches. Yates, Minter, Jimenez, and Iglesias finished it off, which is interesting because I think those are your you know, your big guys in the bullpen right now, along with Pierce Johnson. July 1st against Miami, Morton, five and two-thirds scoreless and 106 pitches. July 14th against the White Sox. This was the first game after the All-Star break where, again, you thought the Braves were going to start to steamroll and just continue it on in the second half. You thought Charlie Morton was about to get on a big run and start showing some of that consistency. He went seven scoreless on 83 pitches in a blowout against the White Sox coming out of the All-Star break. As we know, that was not the case. The Braves struggled the rest of that series and really the next couple of weeks, and Morton really struggled after that as well. August 4th against the Cubs, Max Freed, six scoreless on 72 pitches with eight strikeouts. It was his first start back after missing some time. So twice this year, Max Freed has missed some time, come back, and began a game that ended in a shutout. That was a game where he could have gone complete game if he wanted to. He was just that locked in, coming off the IL, and that, pumped up and probably had a lot of adrenaline going. He was lights out in that game. And then the two up in New York, you had the one August 11th, Charlie Morton started that one, five innings, 105 pitches. He walked seven batters, but didn't give up any runs. And then August 12th against the Mets, Strider seven scoreless. He walked four batters in the second game of a doubleheader, but again, didn't allow any runs. And then Tuesday night, Bryce Elder seven scoreless. So you break that all down and, might surprise you to know, and if you were paying attention to it when I went through all those, Charlie Morton has started the most games this year that have ended in a shutout for the Atlanta Braves with four games. Now, in some of those, he's given up a lot of base runners. He had the one shutout game where he allowed seven hits, the other one where he walked seven batters. And that's why I continually say that Charlie Morton is the third best excuse me, the third best pitcher on this team and why he's your number three starter in the postseason. Yeah, he's going to allow a lot of base runners. And if 
those base runners are followed by home runs, which he's had problems with, then you're going to have those bad outings for Charlie Morton. But the stuff is just so dominant, he can get the strikeouts. He can get the swing and misses to get out of those jams. And sometimes it's a battle for him, and it's a grind like it was in his last start against the Mets. But the stuff is still so good, he has the ability to go out there and, and have a shutout type of performance. He has the ability to go five, six innings and not give up a run. I think it all really comes down to the home run. And again, it's something he's really struggled with, but he's going to have base runners. He's going to, he's going to walk batters. He's going to give up his hits here or there. Can he keep them in the ballpark? And that's the big thing with Charlie Morton. And that's why, again, he hasn't had that level of consistency. It's been either, you know, a shutout or a really good performance, or it's been three, four, five runs. And that's been the issue with Charlie Morton. Now these past two years, really last season and this year is just, you don't necessarily know what you're going to get, but there's still the potential in there for you to get something really, really good. And the Braves have gotten that a lot this year from Charlie Morton, but they've gotten the other side of it as well. It's just, it's frustrating because you don't exactly know what you're going to get from Charlie Morton. Max Reed has started three shutouts this year, which is crazy to think because he's missed nearly half the season. But again, he's your ace. He's that good. And then Strider and Elder have each started two shutout games. Allard won. So that's the breakdown there. Around Major League Baseball, Framber Valdez is the only pitcher with more than one complete game shutout this year. 15 pitchers have at least one, or 15 pitchers have one, and that's including Max's five-inning shutout. How many times have the Braves been shut out this year? Just twice, which you know shouldn't surprise you with the way this offense uh, typically is pushing out runs and generating runs. They were shut out on April 19th against the Padres, a tough one-nothing loss. Um, in which Juan Soto hit a solo home run. That was the only run in that game. Interesting, in that series in San Diego at the beginning of the year, the Braves only allowed three runs in that three-game series against San Diego, and they lost that one game one to nothing. They were also shut out uh, May 12th against the Blue Jays. That frustrating game against Chris Bassett, the Braves just could not figure him out. And again, I don't know why. I, I just can't stand Chris Bassett. I'm sure he's a great guy off the field, but watching him pitch just completely annoys me. So that game still sticks in my mind because it was so frustrating. Just could not get anything going against him. And it really wasted a great effort from Spencer Strider on that night as well. Lost that game two to nothing. So those are the only two times the Braves have been shut out this year. And again, they have shut out their opponents 12 times this season, which is second most now in all of baseball. All right, next, hopefully we'll get another shutout on Wednesday. It'll be Charlie Morton on the mound. We'll talk more about that next. For a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is the perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure every part fits need fits right. The first time around, just add your ride to my garage. Look for the green check. To know the part will fit or your money back because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. 
Braves and Yankees will finish their three-game series on Wednesday night starting at 7.20 p.m. Eastern. Catch every pitch of the Braves' hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Search Braves. So you had a little bit of a roster shakeup on a Tuesday. You had Von Grissom called up with Ozzie Albies going on the IEL. You had uh, Lucas Williams get called up and sending Forrest Wall down. I think that's a move just to give you some more depth on the infield. Lucas Williams, a guy that can play the infield, can play the outfield as well, which is always a nice thing to have on your bench. So I still think there's a chance Forrest Wall makes the postseason roster just because of his speed. Um, as far as the the Lopez Grissom debate we had yesterday or discussion we had yesterday, it's not really a debate. Like I said on yesterday's podcast, I don't think you can go wrong either way here. I understand wanting to go with the defense of Nicky Lopez, but I, I just think you got an opportunity here. You got to lead in the division. Let's see what Von Grissom can do. So I think we will see some of Von Grissom. I think, you know, we'll see him get in there some way or another while he's up. And again, hopefully it's not too long. Hopefully Ozzy Albies is back pretty soon, but, I do hope we get a, a good look at Von Grissom while he is here. But that's some of the news from uh, from Tuesday. Now, as far as the pitching matchup on Wednesday night, night, we know Charlie Morton's going for the Braves. As I look right now, I don't see uh, an announced starter for the Yankees right now, so don't know who they're going to be throwing. But as for Charlie Morton, we talked about it. Five shutout innings last time. It's, you know – of seven walks <laughs> included in that. So, you know, it's not exactly the outing that Charlie Morton's looking for. He's going to have those walks. You know, he's going to, he's going to walk two, three, four batters rather frequently in a start. For me, it's all about, as I mentioned earlier, limiting the home runs, keeping the ball in the yard, you know, not letting those walks. And then you hit somebody with a back foot curveball and it becomes a three run homer that's when Charlie Morton can really get you in trouble. But he has that dominant stuff to be able to get out of jams. I've said it all series with this Yankees team. They're not going to chase a lot of pitches. You're going to have to be in the zone. You're going to have to be close to the zone. And that could be a problem for Charlie Morton if he doesn't have that command. He talked about it after his last start. He's still struggling to find that command, find that re release point. Hopefully he can, he can tune that in in this one and have a good outing. Braves need him to have some consistency, get on track. Again, last start, five shutout, that's great. Seven walks, not great. Want to see him, you know, kind of tone that down a little bit, get back to going deep in the game, going six innings, maybe working into the seventh inning. And again, just really limiting those walks and kind of finding that release point, honing in on that command. Hopefully we see that from Charlie Morton on Wednesday. Hopefully whoever the Yankees are throwing, it'll be a good matchup for the Braves. Maybe be a lefty. And then we'll get to see Vaughn Grissom in there, Kevin Pilar and others. But we'll see what happens with that. Either way, this Braves offense only had six hits yesterday, so I'm going to take the over on today. If you're betting on FanDuel, uh, I'd take the over on the Braves hits for Wednesday night. But it will be the Braves and the Yankees on Wednesday night at 7.20 p.m. Eastern. It'll be Charlie Morton versus somebody for the Yankees. You can catch every pitch of the Braves' hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app search Braves. That will do it for this episode of a Lockdown Braves. Thanks so much for making us your first listen of each and every day. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Lockdown underscore Braves. You can follow me at Shortstop Ball. Make sure that you rate, review, and subscribe to the Lockdown Braves podcast wherever you get your podcast, and we will talk to you next time. Hey, this is Stacey Gotsoulias. D.C. Lundberg. Ryan Finkelstein. Taylor Blake Ward. Host of Locked On Yankees. Locked On Mariners. Locked On Mets. Locked On Angels. And you're listening to Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. 